Welcome to Missionary Roundtable with your host, Kale Horvath. Welcome back to Missionary Roundtable. My name is Kale Horvath. I'm your host. Excited to be back with you guys talking more about international missions and the Great Commission and what each of our roles is in the Great Commission that Christ left us with. Joining me today is another pastor and missionary that I'm excited for you guys to meet. His name is Chris Weaver, and he and his wife Joni are from Ohio, and they've been serving in Malawi, Africa for five years. Chris is a pastor at Mulanguzi Community Church, and he also runs a farming business in Malawi that provides jobs to many Malawians and has also served as an opportunity for further spread of the gospel. I'm excited to have Chris on with us. Chris, thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, Kale, thanks so much for having me today. I'm excited to be on and, and welcome everybody. I'm coming to you from Malawi. From Malawi, Africa. It's, it's an amazing yeah. world, Chris. I can say in this podcast, we've had guys talking to me from 12 time zones away from uh, Taiwan, uh, Mongolia, Ecuador, and now uh, Malawi, Africa. It, it, it's an amazing thing. It really is. And I think it's a treat for all of our listeners too. You know, it's sort of a blessing that we have this kind of technology because you look at the, the missionaries of the past, like uh, in my case, David Livingston, he would, he went three, four years without even talking to his family, knowing where he's at. And we, we have this blessing. So, you know, we're just grateful to, for it. And, take advantage of it for the kingdom. So, yeah, yeah. We've, uh, we've been talking about different missionaries, uh, in conversation throughout the summer. And something that I, I kind of always go back to is that those missionaries from the Philadelphian church age, I mean, when they said they were going, they basically waved goodbye to their family and said, see you at the rapture. Right. I, I don't know if I'll see you. And today we can jump on a plane, be anywhere in the world in a matter of days, uh, and video chat with our family every day. So there's really no reason that we shouldn't be a part of the mission in some way. Yeah, I mean, what we're doing here is this is nothing compared to what those guys did. Those guys were superstars beyond belief. And you're right. I mean, yeah, there's we have some hardships, but compared to what those guys did, this is this is this is so much easier. <laughs> well, praise the Lord for you guys, Chris. You are serving in a very unique uh, situation and role in Africa, and and we'll get to that in a little bit. But what's maybe even more unique, at least for me, and I think very interesting, and I want our audience to hear your story today, is that prior going uh, prior to going to Malawi, um, well, let's just say this: you went to the field later in life. You know, you've you've been there for five years now. Um, prior to that, you were, uh, let's just say fairly successful in the business world. Um, is that fair to say? Yeah. Yep. I had a pretty <laughs> decent career going and yep. I, I don't mean to like uh, toot your horn for you, but I think that that plays into your story and what is so unique yeah. and, uh, and I think can be very convicting and challenging for our listeners today. So if you wouldn't mind, uh, can we roll it back to the beginning and can you tell us more about your story, your experience in the secular business world, uh, and where you were at in life that, that God led you down this path, pointing you towards, uh, international missions in Malawi, Africa. Sure. We'll do. You know, I got saved. I trusted Christ when I was a junior in high school and my life, you know, went into the army so that my parents, uh, wouldn't have to pay for my college, got out, went into college. And, oh, I didn't know you were in the Army. That's awesome. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, it was in for not from between 1900 and 19. It was 1975 <laughs> to 1978. Well, thanks for your uh, service. Yeah, and and so got out, went to college, and 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 started a career in the IT world. Uh, and obviously, to compress all of this, um, as you know, the Lord, you know, opened some amazing doors for me at a young age, and and was able to advance in my career. I was in a Fortune 500 company, uh, and so over the course of 25 years, I, I got a, a VP position in a in a in and in, uh, in this company, and I had a pretty broad. Uh, business unit that was responsible for international business units I had employees all over the world and clients pretty high name clients and so forth and so on and so that was going really well and during that period of time um, I was involved in the local church and doing ministry and things like that but over time the the idea of building my own kingdom versus the kingdom of God and expanding his kingdom uh, started to fade and then building my kingdom started to uh, overtake that. And so it was a slow fade, as they say. Hmm. And so I continued and continued. And, you know, and as I started to exceed in that area, I gave less and less attention to the Lord. And uh, it led me to some terrible mistakes and some terrible setbacks. And so those things happened around the turn of the century and and i was in a desperate place spiritually but the career was still going well and so anyway god got a hold of me turned that around i walked into a church uh, in hilliard ohio i moved all over the country uh, northwest bible church mm -hmm. got plugged in there um, I was there about a year, and this guy named Mark Trotter showed up. So we had a great pastor still do, uh, Pastor Ken Harrell. And then Mark Trotter was there, which most of the listeners know. And so there was several years of me coming back and growing and really starting to, to um, uh, come back to a relationship with the Lord, which I had lost a long time ago. And interestingly enough, my career was still going strong. Um, Anyway, but but God was blessing me, and in during that period of time, around 2008, uh, a, a good friend of mine that I had many many years ago, back in the army days, had contacted me about how he had started this mission in in Malawi, Africa, called the Passion Center. Eric Saitoff, many of you know, and so I talked to my wife and said, "Hey, this guy from the past wants me to come and." and go to on this trip to, to Malawi, Africa. And my wife, Joni's like, what? <laughs> Why don't we give this a shot? I was intrigued by this idea. And, and by the way, back in the, in the mid nineties, the church I was at in San Antonio, Texas, I actually went on a mission trip, short term mission trip to Romania. Uh, and and awesome. so that, yeah, it's very close to where you're going to be. Yeah. And so, that experience had always played in in the in the back of my mind is you know why did God let me see this, but anyway uh, fast forward to 2008, uh, Joni and I, my wife and I decided well let's 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 leave and let's go for a couple of weeks and check this Malawi thing out. So we did that and it was a one of those rock your world trips. Now at the time, I had no idea I was going to end up living here. 
but I knew that there was something really quite special about this place. And so, and so we came back and, and before I had left, I really didn't tell anyone at Northwest Bible that I was going on this trip because I, I didn't really put it that high up on my radar screen. I saw it more as a vacation, I guess. And so when I got back, I was really uh, blown away by this uh, experience. So I immediately met with my senior pastor, uh, Harold and Mark Trotter and shared with them what was going on. And, you know, I had several meetings with them. I remember having a meeting with Mark uh, in my, I had this executive conference room and brought him in and was trying to, you know, like do a sales job on him, you know, you need to think about coming. And I said, look, what, we're going to put an exploratory trip together. Why don't you, why don't you come with us? Uh, and, and, you know, of course, Pastor Hare was on board, said, hey, why don't you go, Mark, and check out this, this place and see if this really has something for us as a church. And so anyway, uh, three or four weeks later, uh, maybe probably six weeks later, we got on a plane, myself and, and Mark and, and Eric, the guy I talked about, and another guy, another friend of ours, Mike, and we, we went to Malawi. And so it was my second trip at the time. Uh, and, you know, I was a little nervous. You know, here's Mark Trotter, Mr. Missionary. He's planted all these churches and gone to the Philippines and India and Australia. He's been all over the world, right? And I'm like, well, you know, he'll probably like it. It's going to be just, you know, probably like any other mission he'd ever gone on. But it probably is not going to be that different for him. But I could tell you when we were in Johannesburg on the way back, just as conversations we were having and, and, and to see Mark's countenance and his the tears in his eyes about what could be, um, you know, I could tell that there was something special there. And, and so he came back, gave a good report to Pastor Harold. Pastor Harold immediately said next summer we're going to take a short-term mission trip. And, and so we, our church puts together a team and we go. Uh, and since that time, Northwest has sent over 140 different people uh, to Malawi every single summer. Awesome. And so it became the primary ministry uh, foreign mission of, of our church. And so Mark was behind it. And as you guys know, we do all kinds of different things there. We have Passion Center stuff. And we have the Mark's doing the, the pastor training and so forth. And, and so anyway. So that's what happened. So over time, when I was uh, sort of helping in my logistics around these mission teams and stuff, we would come over here and I would come every year. And then I would start coming like in February and sometimes in October. And it was crazy. And I can't do that kind of stuff and have the kind of career that I have. And one of the things that really had struck me from the beginning was the uniqueness of sub-Saharan African countries and some of the issues that they face. And, you know, we have done a really good job in Malawi of empowering local people to be the pastors of their own churches and manage the activities of all the, uh, the orphanage and things that we have set up there and church planting and all that. And it was it's really, it was always fantastic. They were totally empowered. We're so blessed by the Malawians that God has allowed to run things here. The thing that concerned me 
was the the requirement that we had to continually fund things from the U.S. Uh, and that started to really uh, weigh on me heavily in a strange way. And I started doing studies about sub-Saharan African. And you can read a lot of books. Some were secular books. Some were from Christian authors. Mm-hmm. Uh, many, and the theme of most of those was stop sending us money. We are, you know, when helping hurts kind of thing. And by the way, I'm not saying we shouldn't be investing like we are in, in mm-hmm. these ministries. Well, that's I'm like just a, saying you're that, talking about the the uh, the dependency factor that gets talked about in the missions world a lot. Um, Absolutely. I, I, I can, I mean, like uh, uh, Steve Saint talks about a little bit in like his book, The Great Omission and, and stuff like that. When Helping Hurts, I think, is another book, like you said. So it, yeah. it's just yeah. about that forming a dependency that actually hurts the people you're trying to help rather than what you think you're doing. Yeah, interestingly, you mentioned that that uh, book by Steve Saint. Uh, Mark Trotter made us early on when we started doing these trips read that book. And that oh, okay. actually was one of the, one of the, uh, um, the reasons that I started developing this. And so, and when you would come to come here, you would see it. I mean, uh, the little children here, one of the first things that the only, some of them, the only English phrase they learn is give me my money, give me my money. Mm. And so they're being taught from the very earliest ages that this is the way we receive funding is is through this method and i'm not saying our guys do that i'm just saying as a culture right right. that's what's happened right Mm -hmm. and so what started to concern me was this is really a limiting factor for the spread of the gospel a limiting factor for church planting and so forth and so on is if we plant churches there was a requirement to to get uh funding from from the west for every activity that had happened. And again, I'm not saying that those things aren't bad, but wouldn't it be cool if if those activities could happen without the need from any of the rest, right? And so those, this is where God started really rocking my world because having a background in business and, you know, I have a little bit of an entrepreneurial kind of bent to me. Uh, it was It was quite, quite uh, overwhelming in my heart. And so I tried to start uh, some some small businesses here with um, chickens laying eggs and so forth. And mm-hmm. it just wasn't working. It wasn't necessarily anything other than it's, it's a lack of a basic business acumen that is required to have a successful business. A lot of people think, you know, Oh, business, that's a that's something easy. Anybody can figure that out. And that's absolutely not the case. It takes a specific acumen to develop a business and have a business plan and do risk management and all of those kinds of things. Because you see many, 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 many businesses come and go, even in the U.S., right? And, and it's not a matter of intelligence, right? I mean, you can see doctors and lawyers, brilliant people that are excellent in their field, but they set up the practice and from a business standpoint, they don't have that acumen and some of those those guys and gals will fail because of the business acumen part. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm just saying all that because I feel like that had given me this particular skill set. Uh, and, and I'm trying to struggle about with this this burden that he's given you when you went yeah. to Malawi. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And so how can we how can I translate this into something that that would work. And, and I don't remember exactly when it was, but somewhere around probably 2000, 
2011, 2012, I was on a business trip somewhere and I just felt God's burden on my heart saying, listen, man, this is something that they can't figure out. You need to go show them. You can't do this for me, man. Just get up, just, just go. Hmm. And again, these weren't voices in my head or anything, hmm. but it was a heavy burden over time, experientially what I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I went and I told my wife, we were sitting in a, in a restaurant in the airport. She was picking me up and I thought, I just got to tell you this weird thing. And her immediate response was, okay, let's do it. <laughs> and so I was, wow. And so we began on a track of about three years, putting our house up for sale. And, you know, and we were trying to sell a house, a, a fairly high end house in a market where it was moving slowly. And, it took us two years, over two years, to, to sell the house. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, I had put together a, a, an organization called Malawi Talent Fund with the sole purpose of raising capital so that I could create businesses in Malawi. Mm-hmm. And so that was the whole idea. And so, so the idea was I for, didn't know kind of- for you to go there and try to start a business so that these guys could – have business and jobs because it is, if not the one of the most, you know, highest rates of unemployment countries in the world, right. one of the poorest countries right. in the right. world consistently. So if yeah. you can help them start some, some sort of business or something that they can make their own money, then they can actually have a church that is, that is on a road anyway, towards being self-sufficient and self-sustaining, where as that probably very rarely exists in Malawi, maybe even in Africa, in general, just because so much support comes from the West. Yep. Exactly. hundred percent. Exactly. Right. And, and not like you said, so, not that giving is bad. We need to give, but, but when we create that sure. dependency, then it, it actually takes away from, from them and, and their local body. Yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, issues with, uh, you know, unemployment. Yeah, you're right. I mean, depending on what metric you look at, Malawi is usually in the top two or three and in some metrics, the, the poorest country in the, in the planet. Mm-hmm. And so if there's an 80% unemployment rate, what do people do, right? Exactly. And so they go to a church, they can't tithe to the church and so forth. And so the church can't support itself. They can't tithe, some percent of zero is zero, right? <laughs> right, right? So all of this is playing in my head and it will feel like, man, what's going on? So I didn't know how to do this. I didn't know what businesses we were gonna create, but I needed some capital to go there and sure enough uh we set up an organization with a very specific point to raise this capital and so we got to a point the lord opened doors uh and on in january of 2016 we we set off and went to malawi uh with this this sole purpose to to start some kind of economic development so we get there and uh uh Polaris Mwana, the, the church plant is already there. It's been going for years. And of course, we, we plug into that immediately. Mulanguzi Community Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, Polaris graciously said, really would like you to come on the pastoral staff, help us with this sustainment. He thought this really was a very key thing. And we were looking at not where this was going to end up, but, but so I, you know, I did that. And so, I started off by asking him a couple of questions. I said, uh, uh, so how many, what is the basic unemployment rate in our church? And he started with his hands, he started counting on his fingers and he, and I said, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm counting the people who have a job hmm. and that would be nine people and you and your wife are two and I'm one. So that's 
six outside of us. And I said, well, how many people do we call members of our church? And he said, oh, about 300. Oh, wow. So if you're listening and you're a pastor, you think about trying to support the operations of a church when you have 300 people that have those associated things associated with counseling and help, and there's only basically six people that have a job hmm. that can tie to the church. So that really broke my heart, but it really lend itself to validate why why we are there. And so I don't want to, this would take a, a, another time, it's another, another discussion, but God opened the door mm-hmm. to us to go into agriculture. Uh, and this is sort of uh, amusing a little bit because I have no background in agriculture whatsoever. And so that story would take too long to say how all that came about. <laughs> but here we are now today, um, we are um, running a farm of 35 acres, and we're today. I just got back, and we have 80 people out there working come the harvest time, and people wow. are getting jobs. And the, the cool thing is, um, they're earning a way to support their own families. We're actually bringing in revenue. Our revenue hasn't uh, uh, come to that point yet to cover all of our costs, but I, I can see it happening in a year or two. Uh, because if I can't make that happen, then this whole thing is was really a failure but um every other wednesday we started this thing called the the free um wednesday lunch hour and so we buy lunch for all the workers that happen to be there and one of the local pastors comes to our our group and preaches the gospel and then invites them to come to the church so people are hearing every other week the gospel and being then people are trusting christ and actually joining some of the local churches in the area. And so that's an exciting thing. That's sort of what this was all about. And it mm-hmm. just, it just, you know, it brings it all together when I can see that happening um, because the, that's the model what you talked about. If they, they trust Christ, they go to the church, they tithe, that church can support itself. And then that whole mission from that, those local churches can continue uh, autonomously. And so anyway, we've got a long way to go. A lot of stories I could tell, but 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 anyway, that's it in a nutshell. What happened and sort of how we ended up going, wow. and, and now we're in the farming business. Yeah. So. so and and you've been there five years now, but you went from a, a VP of a Fortune 500 company in America to a farmer in one of the poorest countries in the world, in Malawi, Africa. Um, if you just take a step back, I mean that's your world, so it's kind of hard to view it from a macro level. But if you just take a step right. back and zoom out, that doesn't happen unless it's a God thing. That doesn't happen in the secular world. That that is God working in your heart and giving you a burden, and then you being like, Lord, what can I do with this burden? What can I do with the skills and the talents you've given me uh, to help people around the world and also help them like you said, not, not trying to build my own kingdom or anything like that, but how can I use these skills to help grow the kingdom of God? Um, so what do you see? Oh, well, no, let's do this. How exactly did that burden translate into the calling that God gave you on your life? And, and really what I mean by that is how did you decide what your role was in the mission? Because you went to the mission field later in life. So you know, while you were working your job and a successful job in the United States, you're going to church, maybe being discipled and trained. But but essentially, what a lot of people in the States might feel like their role is, is to just go to church, be a good church member, 
and uh, maybe give some money occasionally. Um, how how did you go from that kind of American mindset Christianity to be like, no, I, I think I have a more significant role to play in the Great Commission? Well, it was interesting, and it wasn't. Uh, it certainly wasn't um, a direct line. I think God used all of those trips that I had gone on, even people and organizations that I got involved with on those short-term trips. Um, it's it, it's amazing. God was leading me, almost just leading me, right every step of the way in the into. For instance, I connected with a, uh, an NGO called Foundation for Farming, which is a revolutionary way to farm, uh, to try to change the way sub-Saharan Africans farm and, and increase their yields and all that. And why did I get to find out about this group and why did I keep going back on all those trips? And then God would, would take me to these three guys that had all started businesses with the same thing that I was contemplating doing. A guy was doing cheese, a guy was doing honey, a guy was doing moringa. Uh And so all of these, these things started to work. And it was like, God was painting a picture of, you know, it's time. And so experientially in trip after trip, but I think key was I kept going back. I kept taking trips and I started to lose the passion that I had for my kingdom. Mm. And I saw what I saw what needed to be done, or at least I felt God was really it was like all my life I had been in the commercial business world. And now there was a door open that the Lord was showing me how I can translate what I had done to further the gospel Mm. in a very unique way. And it was a little scary because this isn't the, the traditional you know, a missionary path. And I think that's part of my story is because I wasn't a vocational pastor. Mm -hmm. I didn't grow up as a young person thinking God called me to be a pastor or a foreign missionary. And so that's sort of, I think, I still think about that a lot this Mm -hmm. day and age is how did, did that all happen? But it was, it all just started coming together. A lot of uh, prayer and talking with my pastor and and Mark Trotter and and it was just it was just as you kept going through an open door another door would open mm. and and to the point where here we are now and, and if I told you this story about how the land was put together how the funding has come together and all of those things yeah you know there's no way I I could do what's what's happening here I don't have the skills I don't have the capabilities. I mean, this is crazy. So there is massive confirmation almost every day that this is exactly what God wants done despite me. So anyway, I think there's a couple points, Kale, that that I think about a lot because people ask me, how did you get this call, the call, you know, I know other missionaries hear this too. and, And of course, we all know we all have the call. We all have the call. Once you trust Christ, you're called to the mission. Amen. You are called to the mission. It's how you execute that that mission. And there was a point in time when I finally got to the point when I was recovering from uh, some major stumbles, really struggling with God about why did you even allow me to continue to live? Because if I was you, God, I would have flipped me off the face of the earth, mm-hmm. right? 
And so I, I reached a point once where I actually just sort of surrendered my life and said, Lord, whatever, whenever, wherever mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, and, and now I look back and I really start to understand, I think, that so many people, I think, don't get the call because we're all called, like I said, but, but so many folks will come and say, hey, I don't you know, feel like this or that or the other. And the way I see God progressing and what I ended up doing in my life was this Isaiah 6 thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that story where Isaiah is is before the throne of God and he sees God and he can't move and he's he's paralyzed because he's a man of unclean lips and the angel touches his lips and he's forgiven. And now God, you know, you hear that voice and God asks this question, right, in Isaiah 6, 8, you know, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I think that's an interesting model that immediately once his sins were cleansed, he wasn't asking, what do you want me to do? God was asking, who shall I send? And I feel like God is asking that question to all of us when we trust in him. And until we raise our hand up, and it's a scary thing, because I had that experience in your prayer closet. You get before the Lord, and you truly say, whenever, wherever, however, whatever, mm-hmm. do with me what you want, and you truly mean it, uh, he will. Hmm. Now, it doesn't mean he's going to send you to a foreign mission field. Because I tell you, sometimes I think God has a really strange sense of humor. He's got to be laughing. Uh, if my ex-colleagues in the world I was in could see me driving a tractor, they would not. I mean, there's no, this doesn't match, right? It doesn't, I, I drive the tractor and I say, this doesn't match, mm-hmm. right? It, it may be that God was calling others more qualified than me, if you will, farmers or something, and I was the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth choice. I don't know. I mean, Mm. because, you know, the business acumen stuff has been absolutely applicable, but the farming stuff I've had to really struggle through. We're we're getting there. But, you know, I don't know, because God is going to complete his plan. I mean, he gives us all the free will, absolutely. Well, I think that's really interesting, Chris, that you go there because, you know, so all of uh, the people in our world, uh, we would all agree, you know, when you get saved, man, that was that was your free will choice. You heard the gospel. God convicted you. Certainly the father let draw you, drew you, but he never draws against your own will. He's not pulling you. He's, he's drawing you. He's sure. leading you. And it was your free yeah. will choice to get saved. But then somehow down the road, we think, well, if God's going to call me into something, it's going to be this thing that's that we wouldn't verbalize it this way, but it's almost like it it is what we're thinking. Like, well, he'll tell me what I'm supposed to do kind of regardless of, of what I think or say, but it's always been from the beginning of your relationship with Christ. What are you willing to do? And then God can use you. And as you give him more of your life, he can use more of your life. And so I've always told people when they ask me what's important in being, or even just in ministry, not even missions, just in ministry in general, Is it, is it talent? Is it intellect? Is it whatever? It's like, no, it's, it's, are you willing and are you available? <laughs> and yeah. God will call and use people if they're willing, available. In my opinion, I think from experience and, 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 and from the Bible, is that what you would say is just when you get to that point Amen. that you're willing and you're available, then God will use you. He will. And he may take you on some crazy journey like he did us, me <laughs> being a farmer 
is about as crazy as I could ever come up with. Because even when we set out and we're raising the capital and I was set out, I, we sent out and arrived on, in, in mid-January of 2016, agriculture was not one of the things of the list, the things I was going to do. Oh, wow. And so, again, that would be a whole other podcast. Again, <laughs> I'm, it's amazing how this ended up. So this was basically God taking somebody who, you know, and, and, and God does that, right? The yeah. only way, I can't get any credit for this. Nothing that happens because this is all God. Mm. Because he took the most unqualified person, a guy who's been flawed to the max, and extended grace. I mean, man, I mean, I know many people know what grace is, but I tell you what, grace is an amazing thing. Because again, I said before, I'd have flipped me off the face of the earth a long time ago. But he wasn't done with me. He forgave me. He set me on a path. And when you, when I had this experience on life together about, you know, okay, Lord, we just want to surrender our life. And you truly mean it, man. This, this stuff starts happening and doors started opening and we just kept walking in these doors. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing that's interesting for me is because I am in a, a sort of a strange ministry, right? I, I want to make this clear to, to all the listeners. I am not a guy that's a kingdom of heaven guy. I am not the, the, the foremost and most important thing about the mission is building a hospital or or whatever, and those things are okay. Physical, I'm not saying they're not things, right. physical kingdom building, even though I'm building a farm that is a physical thing so people have jobs. But that's not my main motivation. It's about the gospel. It's about being plugged into a place where there are local churches, and those churches need workers, you know, and it's about supporting that that whole concept of being the support, the physical uh, opportunities for income so that the gospel can go forth unhindered so that someday a pastor can not be able you know have a second job or a third job or or can 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 be a pastor of that church and that church can can go forward and the gospel can go forth uh, being truly supported by its members so i so anyway so i say all that because What's sort of unique, and one of the things that has that that has been a byproduct of people coming up to me is people that are older people. I'm six. I'm going to be 63 in a couple months, mm-hmm. and it's it's not only doing something later in the age, but it's somebody who was not a vocational pastor to begin with, because the 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 the, the model is and the, and the good model is to you know I'm going to send out pastors and church planters and that's what we need to do. But there's a lot of people sitting in pews in churches, you know. I mean I don't know what the number is, but 98% of people that sit in a, in a pew are never going to be pastors. Hmm. They're never going to be called to a pastor. But there is people in the pews that have skill sets, and sometimes those skill sets are seen in an American church in an interesting way. For instance, you know, uh, a lot of times if you're in a church, what is your skill? Well, I'm really good with children. Okay, great. You'd be good in the children's ministry. What do you do? You, oh, I'm a good singer. Oh, okay. You can be on the praise team. What do you do? Well, I, I'm a businessman. I know how to make a lot of money. Oh, your gift is giving. So that's <laughs> well, we what know you what do. your spiritual so gift you. is, right? 
<laughs> yeah. And of course we should all be giving and, and that is a spiritual gift. It doesn't mm -hmm. giving the gift of giving has nothing to do with your level of income. But what I'm trying to say is there's a constituency of people out there that have skills, engineering skills, medical skills, or in my case, business skills, uh, that God can use those. Hmm. And, and, and man, you know what? Here I am doing what I'm doing uh, because of the uh, my my love for business, and so God was able to use those skills in 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 that way. And again, I'm not trying to 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 you know set up a kingdom of heaven kind of of course uh, mentality, but but there are people and people come up to me all the time now and say. Man, I never knew God could use me and what my skill set is in the mission, even in the foreign mission. And because, well, yeah, he can. He can use anything, and he wants to use us in our different skills and capacities and experiences that he's brought us forth. we got to get in that, on our knees in that prayer closet and say, here I am, send me. And I, I say, hold on tight, because you might be surprised what he can do. But it, I think it's something that a lot of us hide behind. Hmm. It's it's also very easy to sit in the pew and say, I'm not one of the 95%. And so that means God really isn't ever going to send me to do anything like this. Maybe a short-term trip, but I'm certainly not, you know, because I'm not a vocational, called to be a vocational pastor, I'm never going to be. So, you know, it's not considered, you know, and I'm needing people that can come along mm -hmm. And help in, in, in what we're doing here, because like I said, I'm 63, and one of these days I'm going to wear out. Mm -hmm. And so there isn't there is an opportunity for God to use all different levels of skills, and when it is properly uh, managed through the Lord authority of your local church, right? Mm -hmm. You go to your your pastor and you share your path with your pastor, your heart, and. God's never going to do something in a local church that goes against what the, the, the pastor's once done, right? Mm -hmm. He's plugged into the Lord. So I think that that what I'm suggesting is if you're, if you're listening and you have a skill set other than vocational pastor, and even if you're older in years, but you surrender yourself to the Lord, go to your pastor and tell him that and just see what happens. Mm -hmm. Again, you may probably want to launch to some foreign mission field, but you might. I don't know. It's an exciting thing, yeah. but God doesn't waste anything. He doesn't waste any experience. He doesn't waste any skill set, and He's certainly not eliminating ninety-five percent of the of the of the population from yeah. being in the mission. Again, it doesn't mean in the going full time overseas, but mm -hmm. but anyway, just some things maybe to think about. Um, no, I think that's great because so, because. I, I think that that whole notion of God hasn't called me to, you know, fill in the blank X, Y, Z. Um, I think that that has prevented more people from being used by God mm -hmm. than it has positioned people <laughs> to be used by God. And so, and yeah. even not even just in a foreign mission field context, but even at home, I feel like, you know, in our churches, there's a lot of good people and, and we have a, a great philosophy of discipleship and this idea that every member is a minister and that's great. But I feel like the majority of churches in America, the, the mindset is like, well, you know, God hasn't called me to do this. So I will go to church, I'll give some money and then that's it. But God truly does it. Like you said, if, if 90 some percent of people aren't ever going to be pastors, well, then what is your role in the mission? So 
I guess if we want to kind of begin to land the plane here, and, and you kind of already went there, but what should someone do regardless of their age? And especially like you said, people who maybe are more advanced in age and feel even less like God has a specific role for them. What should they do in beginning to go on this journey of finding out what their role, what their specific role is in the mission? Because we all know that you can search the scripture and find the will of God. You know, it's, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's the will of God that all men should be saved. It's the will of God that his name be glorified. All of these things, we, we know that. It's the will of God that the Great Commission be fulfilled. But the plan of God for each of our individual lives, well, that's not something that the Scripture tells us specifically. We have to begin a journey of obeying the Lord and answering to his call and being obedient and 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 letting his word lead, you know, like a lamp unto our feet. So what, what can they do practically to begin to find out what is my specific role in God's great commission? Yeah, I think, I think that's a good question. And one of the things I would say is to get involved somewhere, try something out, go on a short-term mission trip, mm -hmm. look around, see what's happening and go to some, even in your local community to reach out. I mean, get involved, take a step, go here, go there. Things that your local church is involved with. Mm -hmm. I would really put that caveat. Take things that your local church is, is involved with in the community, internationally, and get involved somewhere. Take a trip somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a little scary sometimes. Or, or reach out to somebody who is in the field and get to know them and just explore some things, right? Because, you know, I've had people, um, you know, say, you know, well, you know, there's, there's poor people in the U.S. Why don't you just stay and take care of them and blah, 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 blah. And I always say, well, you're right. Tell me about what you're doing hmm. with the people in the U.S. then. And, and if you ask that question most of the time, it's, you know, there's no answer, yeah. right? Yeah. Because that's true. It doesn't mean but but the point the reason I bring this question up is because do something, get involved, and you, you do the combination of be on your knees and tell God you're gonna you wanna be whatever it's gonna take, whatever you want to use in my life, and truly mean it, and it's scary to do that, and then start walking through open doors and even things that maybe match your experience level, like I was doing, right? And sort of went down this path, or who knows, but Look around your local church. Meet with your pastor. Share with him your heart. And, and, and he may know of things that are happening, and he can get you plugged in. Because I guarantee you God is not going to waste that if yeah. you say, here I am, send me. So he will do that. Get your mind right. Get your heart right. And then actually move your feet. Go do something. Move so, your feet. Because Absolutely. you got to be willing. Get you got to be available. But but if you never actually go do something, oh man, that's a really good point, Chris. Because I I feel like too, um, I, I this idea of a burden I think is incredibly important, and I, I've preached on it before. I I think uh, Moses is a great example of having a burden that he, uh, you know, God gave him a burden to to set his people free, but he executed or he jumped on that before he was prepared, and what happened was. Uh, Car it was carnal. He he killed a man, you know, trying to act on the burden that he had from the Lord. And then God sent him to, to the wilderness for 40 years, the backside of the desert to get his heart right. Um, and then he was ready to actually do it. So I'm not trying to say that a burden equals a call. We, we've heard that before. A burden doesn't equal a call. But I believe that a burden can often lead to a call or a burden can at, at least get you in the mindset and get your heart to the point 
to where God can use you. But, but that action step is so important. You got to actually go do something. There's nothing wrong. I think, I don't know. Maybe people get worried like, okay, I want to do something for the Lord, but what if I start serving in this ministry and that's not the thing? Well, who cares? (laughs) <laughs> right? Like go do something, try all the ministries and let them all not be right until you find your right fit. Right. Amen. Amen. Man. Uh, God bless the people in the junior high boys ministry, man. I used to do that. Amen. I went down that path once and I am telling you what, you know, it, it about killed me. Right. But, but that's an example, right? I mean, you go yeah. in one place and you go to another place and, you know, you bring up Moses, and one of the things that, that, Kale, I find interesting is if you look on early on in Moses, when he was when he was walking around and he first discovered the burning bush, in Exodus chapter 3, I think it's verse 2, the Bible says that he looked, right? He saw a, the burning and he, bush, and, and he, he looked. Yeah, and looked. Yeah, and, and then in verse 3, God responds and says, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see. Now, I don't think God wastes words, and I don't think he puts these little caveats in here. And even in Acts chapter 7, when God is, re, when he's recounting this story, mm-hmm. he says, and this is about Moses, and he drew near to behold it. It's about the burning bush. Even in the Moses experience, why did God say, when the Lord saw that he, he turned aside to see it? He was wanting to see that he was going to interrupt his schedule, that he was going to take that initiative to look, and he drew near to behold it. I don't think God put that verse in there mm. just as a, you know, as for flowery prose. It meant something. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see. And so that is the key step to me. And I, and I, I, I so appreciate you bringing up the whole Moses experience because I think that that is really, really key. Yeah. Do you think it's possible? You know, maybe we don't want to think about this and I, I, I have a feeling it's true that there's many opportunities and maybe even perhaps divine appointments around us every day, but just as Westerners and as Americans, we're just too busy to see them. There has to be. And the reason I know that is because, you know, we're in a world where many, many people never heard the gospel. Mm. And I don't think God is that bad of a mathematician. Mm. You know, what I'm experiencing and the open doors, and then on the other hand, you hear so many people, I'm not called, I'm not called. I I find it hard to believe that that many people aren't called, Mm. but there's that many people that haven't heard the gospel, especially in some of these lands. Mm. And so something, either God's a bad mathematician or something's got to be wrong, and I do believe right that there there is a lot of opportunity out there and it's easy to restrict yourself because you might be too old or you might be in a different skill set and is traditionally looked at to be in the mission everybody can be in the mission yeah and everyone should be in the mission in some capacity right i mean a- absolutely we were given absolutely. that uh, commission that command when we when we got saved when we became a disciple right, um right but Man, I, I tell you what, when it when it comes to uh, the Great Commission and being used by God, you just got to be willing and you got to have this mindset that I want to be used by God and I'm not just going to sit, you know, on my hands and just say, well, you know, if God calls me, I'll go. Well, how about how about you just be willing to go and then see if God stops you? I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's not the right way to do it. Um, God hasn't stopped me yet. 
Um, I have friends who actually, uh, you know, some people listening to this might know, um, Corey and Trisha Vansickle, and they were actually uh, last year preparing to go to Albania as missionary interns um, so that they could, you know, decide or prepare to be missionaries. And God actually stopped it. Um, his Trisha came down with cancer and that's not something that's good, but you know what? They were going to go until the last second when they couldn't. And, uh, man, I don't even know what the full lesson is there and they're still learning what the lesson is, but what if we were just willing to go until God said no, rather than the other way around to where we're like, well, I'm not going to go unless he says yes, you know? Right. Absolutely. Right. I agree. You've got to be moving forward. You've got to be moving forward. If you're sitting and waiting for the, this a whiteboard to appear with the plan laid out on it for you. Uh, it doesn't happen that way. I don't think you got to be going moving because you, you, you're willing to go. God is going to open opportunity and it's going to match. It's going to be an amazing thing. Yeah. So, and I, I feel like, and right. I don't know, this is kind of an arbitrary th- thing to say, but I feel like in the last decade or two, of the church, like back in the day, eighties and nineties, I, I feel like people would get up almost unashamedly and unapologetically say, you need to go to the field. You need to, you need to serve the Lord. And, and a lot of people, and maybe we kind of s- swung the pendulum the other way because so many people felt, I don't know, beat, beat over the head with a Bible. Fine. But, but I feel like we've swung the pendulum so far to the other side today that we tiptoe, even as missionaries, we tiptoe around this thing of, well, I don't, I don't want to say that everyone should go. And, and I certainly don't want to put you in this position to where you feel, well, you know what, let's just hang on a second. Why shouldn't you go? You know, whoever's listening to this right now, listen, I, I'm not pretending to know God's plan for your life, but like, why can't you go? Why, why can't you? Why shouldn't you? Maybe you should give a better defense of why you shouldn't go to the field than I should have to make a defense of why you should. I don't know. It's just a thought. Maybe I'm speaking out of my place here, but I just feel like in the last decade or two, the church has started to dance around this idea of just telling people, hey, why don't you just take a leap of faith and follow the Lord and see what he does? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Kale, the way you said that. I cannot agree with you more. Because you, in your story, you jumped out in faith. I mean, you went from, you know, kind of having your future and, and everything kind of planned out to like, well, you know what, I'm going to move to Malawi. And, and like you said, you didn't even know what the business was that you were going to start. You're just like, I'm just, I, I know that God is wanting me to do this and we're going to go and, and he's provided for you. And I imagine that he hasn't let you fall yet. Nope. It, it, there's been bumps along the road for sure, but we haven't fallen and you know, you're right. Cause I had it all mapped out, man. I knew, you know, my plan, my life plan right now, I, I knew exactly where I'd be living, what city I'd be in mm-hmm. with a lot of sunshine. And uh, <laughs> I'm just not there. I'm, well, you I'm certainly sunshine, have sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> I have sunshine, but yeah, it's not, it's not how I had it mapped out. And so, you know, anyway, yeah. but yeah, man, it's, it's been fun. God, God will take you on a journey mm-hmm. and it's, it's not without, challenges we all know that you know yeah. we're a great door sexual has been open there are many there are many adversaries so yeah. but but you know well, it's not going to be all fun and games but man it's right. a, when it's all said and done when you see what god can do it's amazing hmm. and and certainly i've seen god show off like i've never seen him show off before well and i and, just sit back and say yeah you know, and that's a great point if you don't step out in faith occasionally you don't actually ever get to see god come through for you because if you especially in the american mindset if you always have insurance policies and savings accounts and everything to cover your need 
well, then God never has to provide for you, you know, and, and certainly that's not advocating against being a good steward, but sure. if you never step sure. out in faith, when will you ever actually see God come through? Um, yeah. now praise the Lord for that. You know, we're certainly obviously not advocating if you're listening to this, if you know us, you know, our heart, if you, if you don't know who we are, let, let me just say, we're not advocating that if you have a burden or even feel like you might be called, we're not advocating for you to go rogue. Um, it, Chris kept saying you need to do this under the authority of your church because when God speaks and other missionaries on the podcast have said this too, he's going to let your pastor know <laughs> as well. If you look yeah. in Acts 13, when he yeah, calls Paul and Barnabas, uh, he speak, the Holy Spirit moves the, the church knows that the elders know it. Everyone knows what's happening. Yeah. Um, it, and so you need to work in conjunction with your pastor. You need to be prepared. You, you can't just be unprepared and, and go to the right. field. Right. So to, right. to say that you have a call. Um, doesn't mean that you should just go right now. It means that you need to start moving your feet, preparing yourself, be discipled, gain um, some some uh, better Bible knowledge and ministry training through your local church or through Living Faith Bible Institute. But what we're what it really comes down to is: Are you willing, and are you available? Um, and so, Chris, if we could, if you could leave the listeners with anything about th- this theme of what what is my role in the mission, what what would you leave them with? or a challenge or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, for me, God's not done with you until he's done with you. And so, <laughs> I mean, you got breath in you. Uh, doesn't matter your experience, your past, you know, there's grace. It doesn't matter your age. There is some place for you to plug in the ministry. There is absolutely no place where you can say God is done. With, as long as you're breathing, hmm. God can use you in the mission somewhere, somehow, and it it, it 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 takes different sh- uh, forms and shapes, but it's, it all starts with your willingness to be in the mission. You can be listening to this 95 years old and say, "I can't be in the mission," and you can. You can you can pray. You can you can reach out to people that are missionaries and encourage. I mean, there's things you can do at any stage to Amen. be in the mission. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been really encouraging for me. I know it has for the audience as well. Thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. If you're still breathing, God can use you. Wasn't that an amazingly encouraging message from missionary Chris Weaver? I tell you what, if you're listening to this, uh, regardless of your age or where you're at in life or even where your walk is with the Lord, God wants to use you. Uh, in every stage of your walk with the Lord, in fact, you might not feel like uh, you're qualified to go to the mission field right now. Well, that doesn't matter. Uh, God's given you something to to do today. He's given us all this ministry of reconciliation uh, in 2 Corinthians 5 that we're to be going and sharing the gospel with the lost. And you know what? You don't need to know anything other than the gospel and how you got saved and how that changed your life to be able to do that and to keep up your end of the bargain of sowing the seed of the gospel to those around you. You can do that from day one, from the minute you're saved, you can share with other people the good news of what God has done in your life and how they can accept Christ as their savior. And then as you're following God and leaning on his understandings and letting his light be a lamp to your to your feet and a light to your path, you can then grow and mature and learn more of the Bible and be discipled. And then before you know it, if you're just constantly in this state of following and obeying God and always being, and here's the key, being willing and available, well, then God will use you. 
He wants to use you and he can use you, but are you willing and are you available? You know, there's a lot of talented people out there who are a lot smarter than me and a lot smarter than I'm sure a lot of these missionaries and pastors uh, that we've been having conversations with this summer. I'm sure they would even admit that. But the problem is it doesn't matter how smooth you are, how talented you are, how smart you are, how gifted you are. If you're not willing and you're not available for God to use you, well, then he can't. He just can't. And so if you're struggling with how God can use you, can I, can I just say, you know, springboarding from what our missionary guest said today, will you just get your mindset right and your heart right to be willing to be used by God and say, Lord, here I am, send me. I'll do whatever you want me to do, whenever you want me to do it, wherever you want me to do it. And then after you do that, point your feet in the right direction. Start moving. Start doing something. Get involved in your church. Ask your pastor, where can I be involved? Whether that's just being in the greeting ministry, the hospitality ministry at your church, or serving on a worship team, or in the sound booth, or or what have you. Start somewhere. Be actively involved in the mission. God calls people who are actively involved in the mission. In the mission. So get active. Be willing. Be available to be used. And then get trained. And then who knows, maybe someday a few years from now, you'll be letting me know that God sent you because you were willing to make those changes in your life. Man, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it this week. I know I did. We'll see you back next week. God bless. Thanks for listening. Please rate and subscribe and share us on social media. Also, please make sure to check out our other podcast, Theology Roundtable, at theologyroundtable.com.